I'm Langdon is my name and uh, if you are new or visiting I want to extend a very special welcome to Fig Tree this morning. It's awesome uh, to be together. We're going to continue our series in Mastering the Art of Life. I've enjoyed this series because it's given us a few big picture things to think about as we begin a new decade, as we begin a new year and it's that time of year to reflect and look forward a bit. Look back but also look forward, and we're going to be doing that this morning. We're going to have a look at this passage that Alan's just read out to us uh, from Timothy. So will you pray with me? I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit is going to make his word clear and he's going to speak to our heads and to our hearts. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you uh, for this uh, passage from the book of Timothy. Father, as we read it, as we look at it, Lord, I pray that it would be clear in our hearts and our minds. Uh, that this morning you'd encourage us uh, to keep living for you. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the question I have to begin this morning is, what is it we value for ourselves? What do we value? What are the qualities in us that we value? Last night I went roller skating. I wish I had the value of being able to roller skate because I was like, you know. What are the values, but deeper, let's go deeper than that though. What are the values that we have for ourselves? What is it that you value that you wish you were or you strive towards or you look at yourself and go, oh, that's me? Is it security? I value being secure, financially secure. I value having a place I can go. I value that little space I can lock the door and it's, it's just me and I'm safe. Is it being comfortable? Do we actually value comfortability? Is it health? Health to me seems like in the last 10 years we have just elevated health to the next level, especially for our younger generations. Health is everything. It's all about health. Being in the fitness group, eating the right foods. I sometimes bring McDonald's into the office and I just feel so guilty because I'm like, oh, it's not cool anymore. But it's still good. Don't tell anyone. Um, Is it self-determination? Is it being in control? Is it benevolence? Is it looking out for others? If we're here this morning and we are trusting in Christ, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, has given uh, one quality that he really wants Timothy to think about. One quality that he wants Timothy to value. And that value is godliness. Godliness, above all. Godliness. And so we're going to have a look at that. We're going to be looking through this book of 1 Timothy, looking at chapter 4. Bit of background. Timothy is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Uh, Paul has sent this young preacher, maybe 30 years old, uh, in his 30s, he sent him to the church in Ephesus because that church, uh, which has started off well, has now got people who've come in bringing false teaching. And they're teaching... Uh, a form maybe of Gnosticism, a form of saying, you know, all material things are evil and they're bringing this false teaching. We'll get in, we'll see a bit of that uh, in our passage, but they're building influence. So Paul, in this letter uh, to Timothy, is encouraging him, go and restore the theology, go and restore the leadership, restore this church as to how it's meant to be. And you, so this is the letter that we've got. And as we jump, we're going to jump into chapter 4 and see uh, what he's saying about this thing called godliness. He says this uh, in verse 8. He says this, For physical training is of some value, 
But godliness has value for all things, holding promise of both the present life and the life to come. I want you to value, Timothy, you've got all this stuff to face, your godliness. I want you to value that as you face up to these things. What is godliness? There's a number of, of different uh, ways that I've looked at to uh, try to explain it. Um, one Bible dictionary says it's reverence, respect for God, piety towards God. It's a God-honouring way of living, coming from the knowledge and the grace of, of Christ. Godliness is an active obedience and a personal devotion. Godliness is being transformed by God and living in a way that reflects God, looking at who God is and taking on those characteristics. Not to be God, let's let God be God, but to reflect God in who we are and how we live. And Paul says, this godliness is valuable not just for this life, but for the life to come. It's one of the things that will last forever. One of the few things that will last forever. And it's that relation, that piety, that reverence towards God. We're going to have it here in this life and it's going to continue on into the life to come that we promise, that is promised in Christ. So it's a really important thing. It holds promise for the now and, it, and in the now it helps us through life to actually, as we're godly, to walk through life the way God intended us to do, to trust him. As we do that. So it's really important. And our godliness comes from our hope in Christ. If you are a believer in Christ, this is one of the things I love about being Christian, is that we have hope. No matter what happens, no matter when it all goes bananas, all goes pear-shaped, all the fruits, we have hope. We have hope. And this is what Paul says. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He says, that is why we labour and strive, because we have our hope in the living God. We have hope. Turn, just, let's be crazy, turn to someone next to just near you and go, we have hope. Like we have hope. It's the best thing ever. It means that our hope is not in our, we have hope because it's not in ourselves. Our hope for salvation is what Jesus has done on the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection guarantees our place in heaven. And it cha- our hope is a practical thing. It changes the way we live. It's like a couple, or uh, uh, an expectant mother. You know you're going to have the baby. You haven't had it yet, but you're going to have the baby. It's the same hope we have in Christ. We know... All the things we have, we haven't got the fullness of it yet, and we won't till eternity, but we have that same hope and it drives us. You know, the new, uh, the expecting couple, you know, they, they paint, the, paint the, the room, they prepare the room, maybe they paint it pink or blue or yellow, whatever your colour is, you know. They buy nappies, they, you know, start eating different foods because you can't when you're pregnant and all that sort of stuff. Their, their behaviour changes because of the hope. Was that funny? I don't know. Don't they? Maybe they don't. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? The behaviour changes because of hope. We hope in Christ and that changes our behaviour in every way. And that hope is worth living 
and striving for. It's that hope that turns Paul to say, this is God. if that hope is available for me, it's available for the world. And it turns Paul to say, I've got to put everything into this. Because this hope that I've been given, in this salvation, changes everything. And Paul says, we labour, we strive to let people know. We labour and we strive to, make, to be this, this godliness, to maintain this godliness. So that others may know, may know too for the saving of all people, especially to those who believe. And so as we think about godliness, there's two big parts that I want to talk about. Two parts to it. Godliness is what we believe, having the right beliefs, but it's also the right practice, or another way of putting it, having the right doctrine, having the right living. So I want to pick on those two things uh, this morning. Right beliefs, right practice. Let's have a look at right beliefs. Uh, What we believe is really important. And Paul's encouraging Timothy, it really matters. And so the first part of the passage that Alan read to us, um, Paul is talking about these people that have come into the church and they're bringing these wrong beliefs, they're bringing them into the church. Uh, And look what he says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, doesn't this sound like today, some will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical lies whose consciences have been seared as a, like a, with a hot iron. You know when you sear that steak, you keep the juices in? You know, all that beautiful blood and moisture can't get out. You know, you're seared. They're, they're, he's saying these minds have been seared. What he's saying is there are spiritual forces at work that do not want that want to deceive, that want to turn people away from the truth. They're an issue for Paul in, in the Ephesian church and Timothy. You better believe that there are spiritual forces at work that do not like truthful proclaiming of God's word. They're in our church. They'll, Satan is at work against that. We need to constantly be on the lookout for that, uh, praying for that. But in such a way in the Ephesian church that it's affected these false teachers that have come in, these hypocritical liars. What are they doing? They're telling people... You can't marry, you've got to abstain from certain foods. And you'll see Paul, he says, you know, he counters that with an argument. For everything God is good, uh, everything God created is good, nothing is to be rejected if it's with thanksgiving. They have forgotten God's word. They're saying, oh no, 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 these things that God has called good, they're bad. So they're twisting with this spiritual... uh, Influence, they're twisting God's word and they're bringing that to the people in the Ephesian church. They're twisting it up. They're not taking in the whole of God's word. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was doing some mission work in Fiji uh, and I was there for about six weeks looking after some kids. Um, I, it was a great time, but I was exhausted. I'm finally, I'm getting on the plane home. It's this tiny little uh, plane. Uh, it's about 10 o'clock at night, I finally get on the plane, I'm relaxing, <sighs> finally I was going to get through the flight, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a glass of wine, um, you know, I thought, I'm gonna have a relax, if you're not into drinking, I'm not, I'm not here to argue whether you should or not, um, but I want to tell you this story because it, it fits in, um, but so I have this glass of wine, and next to me are these two African pastors, and I know that because when I got on the plane, they were reading their Bible. And I said, hi, oh, you're reading your Bible? Oh, you know, he said, oh, I'm a pastor, we're at a church, oh, that's good, da 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 So anyway, have a bit of chat. But anyway, the Muppet movie's on, I've got my headphones on, it was the only thing on, it wasn't one of the, you know. 
watching the Muppet movie, got my little glass of wine, crackers and cheese, just, ah, relax. And then I get this tap on my shoulder. And it's this pastor. And he says, and I'm like, okay, here we go. Yes. He says, excuse me, sir, is that Coke or is that wine? And I said, that's wine. Then he said, but you're a a Christian worker. Yeah. You're going to, if you're drinking, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, I'm so tired, I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. <gasps> okay, what? I'm going to hell, what? And so we started chatting. And, we, and he said, look, if you, go, if you drink, you're going to go to hell. If you, you, know, you sin, you're going to go to hell. And I said, yeah, look, if you don't want me to drink, or you know, if that's going to be a stomach block for you, or, or something. He said, you know, and we started talking about it. He said, you know, if, you know, if you do one sin like that, it means you're going to go straight to hell. And I say, look, I can not drink, but I'm still going to sin. I still need a saviour. I still need someone to take away my sin. He says, you know, we all sin. We all need a saviour. Yeah, I don't want to take that for granted, what God has done you. But he said, you know, I said, we still need a saviour. He said, he said and this is, the, this is where it got me, he said, I haven't sinned since I became a Christian in 1973. And I'm like, what? You've never said, and I'm like, come on, man to man, you've never had a lustful thought? You've never got angry? You've never said a, you know, just got frustrated or, since, oh, come on, since 19, no, 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 he says, I'm a holy person, I live holier, you know? And, and so we started reading the Bible, and I will have you read this passage, and every time we looked at a passage, you just pick certain passages. I'll say, but what about this bit? No, 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 no. And what he did, he was, was picking out these certain passages. And, and it kept on going, and then it got louder and louder, and it was like a quiet plane, and then, you know, there's nothing worse than Christians arguing. <laughs> so it is the worst witness. I'm like, for the sake of everyone on this plane who's probably listening to this, I'm just shutting this, like, this is just getting... It was just bad. And... So we shut the conversation down. I went back to the Muppet movie, um, which, you know. And then about an hour after, or a couple of hours towards the end of the flight, he taps me on the shoulder. His, his friend next to him, who I guess is his younger protege, taps me on the shoulder and he says, with this little note, and he says, actually, I have sinned a couple of times. <laughs> and I was, re- you know, I was really thankful for that. I'm really thankful that I had that drink, that glass of wine, because we wouldn't have had that conversation. But what stuck out to me, and I pray for him, I don't know who he is or where he is now, but what stuck out for me was, here's someone who had said, there's certain parts of the Bible, but I'm not going to take it in, I'm I'm just going to take in the bits that I want. And he got to the point, and I said this to him, that he actually doesn't need Jesus anymore, because he's actually trusting his hope for salvation is in himself, you know. Jesus took away his sin in 1970, he doesn't need Jesus anymore. And this is what the same sort of influence is at work in the Ephesian church and, you know, and, and something that is going to be at work for us. My encouragement is, uh, and Paul's encouragement too, is take into account the whole of Scripture. It's also interesting that Paul's uh, encouragement is uh, that to keep on looking for truth in salvation. Where was, he, where was that man? His, he was trusting in himself. Paul's saying, our hope needs to be in trusting God for salvation. And our hope needs to be in Jesus' death and resurrection for salvation. Maybe that's something 
you haven't put your hope in yet. Maybe that's something you need to do. We need to ask God and pray to God for truth. So for us, as we think about godliness, our right beliefs are important. What does that mean? We need to be reading our Bibles or listening to them. We need to be ingesting God's word, nourishing ourselves on it. We need to be praying and asking God, show me what is the truth. Asking God, what do you want to say? It's so easy, don't we do it? God, I really want you to speak into this situation. I really want... But we actually miss out on what the text is actually saying. So we need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be disciplining ourselves. It's nothing new under the sun here. We just need to be keep, keep doing it. Coming to church for sermons. Pray for, the, pray for Ian, pray for Shane and Miles and, my, and anyone who's sharing God's word, your Bible study leaders, that we're doing that, that we're keeping it truthful. Pray for us. Um, you know, if you're not in a small group, sign up. We're going to do sign-ups over the next couple of weeks. If you haven't joined one before, it's a really good thing. We need to be you know, reading God's word, but we listen to podcasts, we read books. We've got to be wise about who we're reading. We've got to be wise about what we're listening to, what is it we're ingesting, seeking truth. So godliness, believing the right thing, is really important. And this is what Paul encouraged him to remember what your grandma taught you, what your mother taught you, what I taught you. You've grown up in good, te- good teachings. Keep on. Keep on with it. But as well as that, it's also important that we main... Oh, and one other thing, I'll just say this too, because it's on the screen. Uh, Paul is also teaching Timothy about what's happening in church. And that's why he says, you know, until I come... It's one of the things we do at our church. We always read the scriptures because we want God's word to keep on transforming us. Paul says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, the preaching and teaching. It's so important. But as well as that, it's also how we live. It's not just what we believe, it's how we live. It's the right practice. And so Paul says this, love this passage, love this verse. This is on my wall in my office. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in faith and in purity. Said in Timothy, you're, a, you're an example. You're a leader, you're an example. Now, Paul writes Timothy a leader, but this is for all of us. We are all examples of Christ. And our lives set an example. I don't stand up here perfect example either, I totally, totally get that too. But, so this speaks to me, so it's on my wall because I need to read this every day. Set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity. And of course we see Jesus, when we look at Jesus' life, perfectly reflecting this. Speech, this is one of the hardest things. If you, anyone here to mark, can master their speech, please let me know, because I need that. You know. The things we say, it's really hard. You know. James talks, talks into this, the book of James. What we say about other people, our innuendo, the jokes we tell, the things, the gossip, what we, you know, when someone makes us go crazy and we maybe share about that other person instead of coming to them first. Our speech, but set an example. Think how important that is. Our life counts. Conduct, our behaviour, how we do life, how we do business, how we live each and every day. Does our conduct, is it godly? Does it reflect Christ? Love. God is love. Do we love? 
Does being gracious with people? Does looking to treat others like we'd like to be treated? Does our love for God, is that our number one thing? And our love for each other, is that our number one thing? Is that a hallmark? Do we reflect God's character in that? And what about our faith? Every decision we make, is it based on what we can see in front of us? Or are we basing it on faith? Are we doing things that are defined not by what's in front of our eyes, but by trusting in Christ? Are we being faithful to God with all the things that he's given us? Are we stretching our faith? Are we trusting him? Are we saying to God, God, what is an area where I'm not trusting in you? God is pretty good at keeping on showing us those things. You think you may have mastered some things and he'll show you more. But where are the areas that we're not trusting in you, God? Help me to trust you. Help me to not trust myself any longer, trust you to do that. Purity. Are we striving to lead a sinless life? We'll never get there. But are we striving to say, God, here are areas of sin in my life some of the things you might have been battling with for years and years, you might go, oh, it's just too hard. But daily we're confessing to God, confessing our sins to each other and going, you know, I've stuffed it up, but I'm still valuing that this is not the way God wants me to live and I'm still praying and asking God for strength to live and be pure. Are you still fighting the fight to do that? Are you still helping? We're still repenting. So we've got these two aspects Right beliefs, right practice. And we need them both. This is not a one or the other. We need to absolutely have them both. I would say, though, probably that our right practice can come from our right beliefs. But we we need them both. Think about this. Practice without belief becomes religion. If we're living it out, but we haven't got the belief behind us, it's just going through the motions. And it happens. And you see this even in Christian traditions where people believe and they they do all these good things, but sometimes doing the good things becomes more of the focus and they forget about what they're actually trusting in. We can do that. We can do that. And think about that in terms of if we want to be a witness, if we want to share others with others. If I'm so focused on living a good life, as a witness to others, what are they going to see? They're going to see Langdon lives a good life. Or maybe they'll live a good life too. But they'll miss out on the hope of Christ as I do that. But also, what about belief without practice? If we believe but we don't live it out, it's just head knowledge. I had a friend that I went to school with and when I was thinking of becoming a Christian, I found that he was a Christian. I didn't know this, but he said, I'm a Christian. He says, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to have sex before I'm married. And I was like, I'm like, but isn't that like a non-Christian thing to do? He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do that though. And to me it was like, oh, hold on, you say you believe it, but then you're just saying it doesn't matter. That doesn't make sense to me. We need to not just to have the right beliefs, but also we need to, we need to be living it out. Simple message, hard to do. I get that, totally. So, Paul encourages us. Train yourself. Physical training is of value. I need some of that. Um, But godliness has value for all things. So we need to train ourselves. And that means just doing the basic disciplines. Maybe at this time of year, it's time to go, you know, beginning of the year, there's just the basic stuff I've got to do. 
I've got to be reading my Bible. I've got to figure that out. I'm out of sync. I haven't got the time. I can't. You've got to figure out. Maybe it's a verse a day or, you know, or a passage or you know, whatever it is. But I've got to get, you've got to get into just reading the Bible. Um, you know, that's just basic things uh, that I like. You know, Bible, praying, come to church. Keep on consistently coming to church. You know, Spending time with Christians, being encouraged, sharing my faith. I've got to do these things, or I'm not, you know, you know, it's like, this is the old illustration, but if this is me, this is God, you know, and I'll, I want to feel close to God, maybe, you know, if each of those fingers represents one of those things, if I am not reading my Bible, if I'm not praying, if I'm not in fellowship, you know, spending time with Christians, if I'm not coming to church worshipping, if I'm not witnessing, of course I'm not feeling close to God. These are basic things that we need to do to maintain godliness. We need to do the basic things. And we need to grow in them. So part of training is stretching yourself. Every time you do it, you stretch yourself a little more, a little more. When I got on that roller skating rink last night, I was like, you know, by the fence, you know. But after an hour or two, I was like, you know, it wasn't that good, but, you know. I was still quite wobbly. But you grow in them. You stretch yourself. You know, you, okay, I'm going to push myself a little more. The risk grows, but then so does the reward. Push yourself, stretch yourself. The other thing to train ourselves is having a team around us. Guess what God gave us? Each other. Yay! We need each other. One of the best parts of my uh, week and really valuable is every, couple, every two weeks or so, I meet with a group of guys and we just get together and we just lay it all on the table. Here it is. Here's our life. Here it is. All its warts and everything. Be real. Be honest. If you can find people, and this is why we say get into a small group, a group of people that you can just be yourself with, say here's my struggles, here's where I'm going great in, and we encourage each other. That's why God gave us, that's why we come to church, encourage each other to be godly, to value this godliness uh, above, above all, and we can encourage each other to do that. But we also, Paul says... We need to persevere. Watch your life and your doctrine. Watch, your, watch your, your beliefs and your practice closely. Keep an eye on it. Grab hold. Look, here's my, my life. Here's my doctrine. Grab hold of it. And hold on and keep holding on. Do what you've got to do to hold on. Paul says, persevere in them. Keep on holding on. Persevere in godliness. Because when you persevere, when you're watch, maintaining godliness, watching your beliefs, watching your life, it affects others. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Because if you don't, you're going to fall down. And others will as well, won't they? Yes! Redeem that. When I'm, when I'm being faithful and godly, it can build people up. When I'm being ungodly, it can actually tear people down. We need each other to spur each other on for godliness. This morning we've had uh, Roger and Noriko Deathlefts, two of our missionaries that we support. They are in, they've gone to Japan, they're serving in Japan. They are taking a step of faith to go and serve God. So they're being faithful. But their faithfulness also relies on other people's faithfulness to support them, to pray for them. So as they step out in faith, they can do that, but they need us as well. 
In the same way, when we're godly, when we're valuing godliness, we actually encourage and inspire others to be godly as well. When you're being godly, it inspires your kids, your family. People see it. They notice it when we do it. When we don't, it gives people an excuse not to. As you look back over the last 10 years, are you growing in godliness? Are you growing? Are you declining? I look back on my life and I go, wow, you know what, there's been some amazing people who've inspired me. One of those was a lady who was my scripture teacher uh, in Fig Tree High School. And as I was just becoming a Christian. But she was amazing and she was one of the things that God used because when I went to school, this lady, her name was Bev Fleming, I'll say her name because she's awesome, don't know where she is now, but she was just rocked it. But she was always full of joy. And half the kids thought she was on drugs or something because she was always like happy. But she, was, she loved God. She absolutely, and you saw it on her face and you saw the peace in her heart and, and it permeated. And it was encouraging and inspirational. But she also you know, showed her godliness by the things she taught. We did these Bible studies. I still remember some of these foundational Bible studies that we did. And that encouraged me and helped me on my journey to become a Christian. I know there's people around you that encourage you, that inspire you. And maybe they're the sort of people that you look at and go, wow, I want to I emulate some of that. I want to emulate some of that. Because that value that they had in being godly, more than anything. Those people you meet, and you meet them and go, I get a sense of God in that person. That's the sort of person I want to be. Is that the sort of people we want to be, that people meet and see God in us through our godliness? So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God that he's going to help us value godliness. Take it on, be passionate about it, and this year ahead to make that a value of us and our church. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this letter from Paul to Timothy and the encouragement Paul has to Timothy for all the things he's facing to be godly. Father, we pray that you would help us to maintain right doctrine. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be wise in what we're taking in, that we can put our hope firmly in Christ, in what he has done. So protect us, Lord. Help us to maintain right doctrine. But also, God, help us to live it out. Lord, may we value godliness May it be a deep value, deep in our hearts this year. That we'll go throughout the year watching closely how we can be godly, valuing it, persevering in it, even when it's difficult. This is our prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen.